It's good to see you this morning, guys. Um, if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And I told you last week, we started a series. Um, it's called Jesus, His Greatest Hits. All right? And so we kind of used that as our jumping off place last week. And, and we looked at the Beatitudes. And uh, we talked about how the Beatitudes really kind of hone in on a middle that if, if they're they're written in, and honestly, in a way, it's, it's called a chiasm. And a chiasm basically points you to the center, which is the main idea for, for the thought that, that the writer's trying to give you. And so uh, the center of the chiasm is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness uh, shall be filled, shall be satisfied. Uh, and those who, uh, those who need mercy will receive mercy. And so those were at the very center of uh, the chiasm that we looked at last week. And this, this week we want to continue on. So we're, we're going to jump just right below where we started. Um, and so we're going to look at verse 13 uh, today and, and kind, of, kind of roll on in this, uh, this idea of what Jesus, his greatest hits. And this is really, uh, this is, I want to just remind you that the Sermon on the Mount, that's what this, this is, chapters, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it is, uh, typically sometimes I think we, we think Jesus just sat down and went through this whole thing in, in one message. Um, and really what we believe, and scholars believe, that this is a collection of kind of all Jesus highlights, the, 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 the biggest ideas that Jesus presented and it's it's kind of a collection of all those that's put in uh to this this these chapters five six and seven and so we want to continue on in that now how many of you love paying taxes <laughs> yeah okay you know we do all right we pay taxes right we need to pay taxes yes we need to pay taxes uh you know it depends some, some of us say to how much Right, but I don't know that anybody really loves it, right? Um, and uh, you know, I, th I think um, when it comes to taxes, uh, we, we we may pretty much be on the same page. It's, it's not a great feeling. Um, so the British government uh, in the late 1800s they established a salt tax in India, and uh, salt was being produced in India in great quantities and. And the quality of it was was amazing, uh, and so it began to compete with the salt distribution that they actually had uh, in Great Britain out of cities like Liverpool uh, and other cities that they had their own salt production, but the quality wasn't as great, and so the demand for this salt from India was very high, and uh, it was something that the the British government, they began to look and said, we can't let this keep going. It's going to destroy um, our homeland's uh, salt production, and, and it's costing us uh, a lot of money. And so what they did is they first off put in a salt tax uh, to tax all the salt coming out of India. And when, and when that still didn't work, uh, uh, they put out an act, and this act was... Um, it was an act declaring that to produce or possess Indian salt or salt from India uh, was illegal. And so they would throw you in jail 
uh, if you owned any of this, you possessed any of it, or you produced any of it. And so it basically shut down uh, salt production and, and, uh, and distribution in India for a number of years. And that had a great um, health effect because people who could not have salt in their diets or produce this salt in India, um, they actually began to see health deficiencies and they had iodine deficiencies and they saw uh, even the rise of leprosy uh, in India during that time because the British government made a decision based on economics and not on people. And so we see the outcome of that. And uh, it's when sometimes our values get off. Sometimes our values for things over people get off. And, and so today I want us to look uh, at this passage that is right below the sermon of this uh, Beatitudes part in verse 13. And this is, this is the part I want us to pick up on. It, it says this in verse 13, and Jesus continued on. And he said, if I can get my glasses on, he said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He goes on, he says this, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I'm going to stop right there because who is Jesus talking to? If I could just remind you who Jesus is talking to, he's talking to his disciples, but he's also talking to people who kind of have pressed in. And these are people who um, they're not really the people who have great value in society as, as what the Roman government would think. These are people who are poor. These are people who um, they are uh, they're not the, the most intelligent. They are people who maybe they have disabilities. They're, this may be people who have been pushed to the outside of society because they have uh, come from various backgrounds. And so these are people who um, Jesus has called around him that most everybody else they don't value. Anybody who has power or any kind of status, they wouldn't be caught hanging out with people that Jesus is hanging out with. But Jesus, that's who he has called. He's called these people. And uh, if you look at the Beatitudes, uh, it's really kind of this, this, uh, this group of people that he's called. It's kind of describing them in such a way, the people who are poor in spirit, you know, these people who are kind of downcast and kind of pushed to the edges. And so Jesus, if you remember, this is who Jesus is talking to. And so Jesus begins to talk about salt. Now, salt was extremely valuable in that day and age. Uh, salt was like gold. Uh, there were wars that were fought over salt. Uh, there are just trade routes that were based on getting salt from one part of the Roman Empire to the other part of the Roman Empire. Actually, our word salary, anybody know what a salary is? You get a salary, right? Salary is a good thing, right? Salary actually comes from, uh, salary comes from this uh, term salarium in Latin. And salarium is how Roman soldiers were paid. Uh, so they were not only paid in uh, money, but they were also paid in salt. And so if anybody, you've ever heard the term 
are you worth your salt? Anybody ever heard that term, you know? Or they're not worth their salt. That's where this comes from because Roman soldiers would get paid, uh, and so their value came in what they could do for the army. And so, so are you worth your salt? And so I guess my question is this, are you worth your salt today? Are you worth your salt? And I, I think Jesus had some ideas about this because these people that he was talking to, most people would say, no, they're not worth their salt. They're not worth anything. But the, the British Empire, the British government, uh, in the late 1800s, you could see that they began to think of a lot of the people in India that they weren't worth their salt because uh, they had a, a, a different value system. They valued economics more than they valued the people. And so uh, when we look at this and we ask this question, are you worth your salt, we, we see Jesus addresses this, and he seems to think so. Jesus, when he's addressing people, he, he begins to call them out. He just gives them this kind of this introduction in the Beatitudes, but then he gets to verse 13, and he says, you, you guys, you are the salt of the earth. Now, you've got to understand that in that time, people wouldn't have had an idea of the word earth like we do today, right? They wouldn't have thought, they wouldn't have had a picture in their head of this blue marble floating around, you know, in our solar system, right? That's not what they had in mind. And the word here for, uh, that gets translated earth is actually a Hebrew word, eretz, which means land. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, you're the salt of the land. What land? You're the salt of Israel. You're valuable to us. You're valuable. And what Jesus begins to push back on is this idea that these people that he had called to him, that's been pushed to the edges of society, that's been pushed out, Jesus begins to declare to them, you're valuable. You're so valuable to me that you are as valuable as salt. That's your value. You are worth your weight in gold. You are worth your weight in salt. You are worth the salt uh, of, of the land. And so Jesus begins to establish just this kind of this train of thought, uh, helping people understand that they are valuable. Jesus saw people. I don't know about you. Sometimes have you ever been in uh, a crowd of people and maybe you saw somebody that you kind of knew, but maybe they didn't really want to acknowledge you? You ever been there? You know, it's like, hey, man. They're like, hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> Have you been? It's, it's kind of awkward, right? Because at that moment, they're trying to back away, right? They're trying to push away, and, and, and hopefully that doesn't happen, happen much, but we know it does. And so what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, listen, I see you. I, I, I see your value. You are not just pushed to the edge. You are not just some poor person who we don't care about. God cares about you. God cares about you so much. This is how much he values you, and so he values you, and he says two things. He says you are salt and you are light. And to the Greeks, salt and sun, sunlight, were considered to be divine properties. They were properties of divinity. And so Jesus takes that idea. I love that. Jesus takes that idea, and he says, no, listen. See, what the Greeks said is, is, is a divine in their makeup. I'm telling you that you're divine in your makeup. Not that we're God. No, but we're made in God's image, right? You know, I, I know some people walk around like they think they're God, and they're not, okay? Uh, but we are made in God's image. I, I know that um, as a high school student, I, I had a hard time 
dealing with this because I thought I was nothing. I thought I was nobody, and I really had a, a very poor view of myself. And so, just get this. This is this what Jesus is saying is not for us to be prideful, right? His goal and result is not for us to be prideful. His goal and result is for us to be purposeful. There's a difference. When when I'm prideful, I, I think too highly of myself. But when I'm purposeful, I begin to think about why I'm created and why God has, has gifted me and why God has set me where I'm at. And so there's a difference between looking at myself in a prideful way and looking at myself in a purposeful way. And Jesus says, I see you. And you know how I see you? You know how God sees you? He sees you as, as being valuable, extremely valuable. Jesus saw their value. Jesus sees your potential and your power. Whether you do or not, Jesus sees that. See, so many times I think we think that, oh, gosh, I can't do that. Why, God, I, maybe you feel like God's calling you to step into something or God's calling you to do something. I remember several years ago, um, I've got a nephew who just went to be a uh, pastor of a church uh, just south of Atlanta. And um, he, I remember, I, I look at him now and think he's pastoring this great church. He's doing such an amazing job. But I remember when he was sitting in my office several years ago, and he'd just gotten out of college, and he was like, he's like, Ryan, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I, who in their right mind would bring me on to, to be a minister in their church? Who in their right mind would bring me on? You know, it's like, I can't do this. And he would get so nervous. And he would get, and I'm sitting there looking at him thinking, dude, I know how you've been raised. I know that you've been educated in, in a great school. I know that you have been educated in your father's house because you've seen your dad grow up doing this. And so he had all this stuff going for him, but he didn't see it. He could not see the potential and the power that resided within him. But I could see it. It's interesting sometimes. Maybe what we don't see, it may be very evident to other people. They're like, man, why don't you see this? Why can't you see this? And, and so I saw this in Trey. And, and now, fast forward several years later, now he has just stepped into being the senior pastor of this church. And I, 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 turned, him online, I turned on his uh, online service the other day and just began to watch. I'm like, man, he's coming a long way from sitting in my office thinking, I can't do this. I don't have the tools, the resources to do this. And seeing that he is beginning to realize the potential and power that God has placed within him because God has created us with value. God has created us for a purpose. And so you are created for a purpose. We are a people with a purpose. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. We are a people with a purpose. We are people that are created for a purpose, on purpose. God has purposed us for this moment. And so what does that look like? Now, Jesus, using this metaphor of salt, he, he begins to talk about salt. And, and for them, salt had a lot of benefits. Salt had the benefits of of first off of healing it was a healing uh had a healing properties in it where uh that just as we talked about you take salt out of someone's diet it begins to uh their body begins to be affected by that so we need a certain amount of salt in our diet if you go watch football practice during the summer you know they'll take and put salt tablets in uh to the water so uh guys are not getting dehydrated and so we need a certain amount of salt for our bodies we need that 
And you can do great damage um, or you can bring great healing. And, and so what Jesus is saying is this. He says, listen, if I'm saying you're salt, he's saying I want you to be of a healing aspect whoever you come around. See, there are some people I look at them and they're just, man, they're just like an accident waiting for a place to happen. They just create so much damage everywhere they go. It is like they're so turned in on themselves. Maybe they become selfish, and they, they're, they're just takers instead of givers. And maybe you've been around this, and it's like everything they touch, they're just toxic. They're toxic people, and so when you get around them, it's like it rubs off on you. And what Jesus is saying, he says, listen, if you're going to be part of my kingdom, if you're going to be part of, of my crew, of my tribe, of, of this following of people that I'm calling around me, and I'm saying that your salt, your life when it's engaged with someone else's life, needs to bring about this idea of healing. There needs to be, and that's where he, he says, uh, just remind us about one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, right? He says you're happy and, and, and you're going to be blessed, uh, and you're a blessing when you're a peacemaker. And so when we think about this, Jesus is saying your presence should be a healing presence. Your presence shouldn't be one that just creates more strife and more damage your presence should be one that when you step into someone's situation, that you're looking about how you can bring maybe peace and a calmness, maybe that you can, you can bring about healing in that situation, encouragement in that situation. Jesus is saying, if you're the salt, I want you to be the hands of healing. But see, salt doesn't only uh, provide benefits of healing. Salt is also beneficial for preservation, right? I've been watching this, um, this show called Alone. Uh, anybody ever seen the show Alone? And it's about these people that just drop them off in the middle of the wilderness, and, and they're supposed to, you know, take care of themselves. Well, they've got a show. It's kind of a spinoff. It's called Alone the Beast. And basically, uh, when they get off the boat, they've got to survive out in the wilderness for 30 days out in the wilderness. And the only thing that they have, they don't have any tools. They don't have a knife. They didn't bring a backpack. It's only the, the shirt, the clothes on their body when they jump off this boat. And, and they have uh, killed, you know, it could be uh, some game. It could be like a wild boar. It could be a moose. Uh, one episode, it was an alligator. And, and there's three of them, and they have to jump off this boat and go find this kill and start taking this kill apart and uh, doing something with the meat. And so they're trying to figure out what can I cut this. They don't have a knife. They don't have anything, so they're finding rocks or shells or anything they can because they understand that they are under um, a time crunch, that they have to get the meat out of this animal before it starts to spoil before it starts to rot, and it's not usable for them. And so uh, they're, they're under this time crunch, and you see them, that they'll take, and they'll try to smoke it. And, and people back in this day and age, now we throw it in the refrigerator, right, today? All right, so what did we do before refrigerator? Salt was the preserving uh, factor in, in meat, and so they would rub this meat down with salt, and, and it had uh, preserving qualities. And I think about that. I thought about that in, in, in the sense that if Jesus says that you're the salt of the earth and that your presence should be a healing presence and your presence should be a preserving presence, I think our world desperately, desperately needs that because our world seems to be rotting from the inside out. Uh, our culture just seems to be uh, just mangled mess of all kinds of ideas. And so, guys, we're here for a purpose. We are here to affect our culture and not to be affected by our culture, right? But sometimes that's difficult. 
We're here to, to be a healing presence, but we're also here to be a preserving presence in our culture that this world and this country needs the voice of Christians. Two of us believe that. This world and our nation needs the voice of Christians. That we're saying, listen, we're not here to create more division. There's enough division already. I'm here to be a peacemaker. I'm here to look at a different way than all these other partisan ways that we're, that we're, we're stepping out to. I'm, I'm here to look, look at the Jesus way. What is the Jesus way? The Jesus way is we are people to bring uh, healing. We're people that should be uh, a preserving factor in our culture. And the last thing that we see, this is not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's kind of the, the highlights is what does salt do? You know, not only has benefits of healing, not only have benefits of preservation, taste, right? I mean, you got to salt your food, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, how many, if, uh, you know, you've, I know me and Raina have been in the kitchen, and, and she said, come over here and taste this, and I'll taste it. And I'm like, mm, tastes, tastes pretty good. I said, but needs a little something. She'll put a little bit of salt in there, and it's like, that's it, right? That's it. It's like it makes the flavors pop. Right, it, it makes the, it brings out the flavors a lot of times of, of what you're cooking, and that. And I love Eugene Peterson. Uh, Eugene Peterson, um, he did um, a paraphrase really of of, of the Bible. And it's called the Message. And in one of those passages in the paraphrase, uh, he says, "You are here to bring out the God flavors in the world." And I love that. I love that statement that we're here to bring out the God flavors in the world. We're here to, to bring out the pop, you know, and just say, listen, maybe there are things that you have missed. Maybe there are things that, um, that you have just, you haven't seen yourself as being a, a person of purpose. You haven't seen yourself as being a person of value. But I have a different word for you, that Jesus says you are valuable and that there are great benefits. And we're supposed to be people that bring healing, preservation, and we bring a good taste to the party. I don't know about you, but I know there are some Christians I've met, and they have left a bad taste in my mouth. Amen. There's some people that I've run up against that's just like, mm, I don't like them, you know. Uh, and if I'm just being honest, I, I, and it's like, you know, they're supposed to be great people, honestly. I'm like, eh, there's just something, you know, because sometimes we can be more about our stuff. We can be more about, um, you know, our status. We can be more about, um, you know, what we have. We can be more about politics. We can be more about, we can be more about a hundred different things other than Jesus. And what Jesus says is you're here to bring out the God flavors. You're here to bring out the God flavors. And there's a passage of scripture in Psalm 34, 8, and I love this. And it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So when somebody comes up and you interact with them, what are you leaving them with? Are you bringing out the God flavors in your interaction? Are you bringing out the God flavors in that relationship? Or are you like, oh, man, I, mm, no thanks, but no thanks, right? Where we are more about everything other, other than Jesus, but when we make Jesus the center point of our heart and the center point of our life and we begin to understand that he's created us on purpose, with a purpose, that we are a people with purpose, and he has said, listen, if you're valuable and if you've got a purpose, this is, the, this is what salt does, and this is kind of what you're doing. This is, this is what I came to in the very last statement is this. Because all these things that we're supposed to do in the world, 
Sometimes we think that because of what we do, it gives us our worth. Your worth doesn't come from your work. Your worth, your work is the result of your worth. I want you to get that. See, I think sometimes we say, well, just because of what I do, that's where my value comes from. Act wrong. Jesus said this. He says, no, he says, you're valuable. And because you're valuable and I've created you for a purpose, what you're going to do is going to be of some worth. It should be of some worth because you are worthy, because you are valuable. And, and what flows out of you should flow out of, of, of a place of value. And so this is it. It's, it's not your worth doesn't come by what you do. How many of you know that's, that's a great thing because if you've ever gotten fired, you begin to wonder, wow, am I going to find the next thing? Or what does that look like? Or uh, what do I do now? It doesn't mean you're less valuable. It just means God's going to bring you to a different work. And the same value, actually the purpose that God's created you for, is going to shine through somewhere else. And so this morning, I want to ask Pastor Tran if he'll come play. I want us to get this idea that when Jesus talks about us, he talks about us in terms of value. He talks about us in terms of purpose. He talks about us in terms of relationship. And, and that's kind of what these shirts are about. We're better together. Now, we have had a year and a half of, of just things trying to pull us apart. Am I right? And, and I understand why a lot of that is. But as a pastor, what I've seen is that it's, it's pulled some of us so far apart that we got out there on the edges and we felt like we were all alone. We felt like, man, I, 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 is anybody in the same boat with me? Is anybody, is anybody rowing with me? Is anybody cared? Is anybody? And so it's really as God has called us, he says, you're to be salt and light. In its terms of relationship, he says, you're created for a purpose. You're created to have relationship with each other. You're hardwired for relationship. That's what God has created you for. He's hardwired you for community. He's hardwired us to be in this thing called the church. And I'm not talking about a building because if, if the building burns down tonight, the church is still here. The church is still active. The church is still alive because the church is not sheetrock and pews. The church is people. And that's what Jesus called us to be part of, his church. And what is that? That's community. That's us coming together to be a community of faith, of people believing together and declaring, Jesus, you are our Lord. You're our one thing. There are so many things that may divide us and separate us. But Jesus, we're going to go beyond all that and say, Lord Jesus, you are what brings us together. Jesus, you are our focus because you've created us for a purpose. And that's to come together as your body. So I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to stand with me this morning. Pastor Trent's going to lead us in a song. I don't know what it is he's going to sing, but I want you to sing this with us together. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray for us.